Here's what's coming up on this week's show. There is a Gallup poll that was done, and I think it's something like 80% of employees are actually not happy in the job. <gasps> Look, wow, as high as that? That's shocking. shocking <laughs> the Beat. Welcome to the Big Little Business Show, the podcast that helps small business think big. Hey, hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Big Little Business Show. It's Paul Mumford over here, the lovely Claire Horsley over there. If you haven't heard us before, we're the podcast that helps small businesses grow by bringing on a whole bunch of experts who know a thing or two about helping small businesses grow. Look, if you've listened to us before, or maybe if you haven't, do two things for us. That'll be great before we get going. One of them, make sure you hit follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on and leave us a review too. Let us know what you think about the show because that all helps to big us up in podcast land. Yes, so today we are talking about how to be a brilliant boss. Yeah, and I can't... Well, we've kind of covered this kind of in small ways before, but not in a whole episode like this. And even if you don't have staff, at some point you're going to have to have other people working for you whether you sort of contract them to do a little job for you like design a website or something like that or you you might sort of have them on board for a little while you've still got to manage them so I would imagine every business owner at one point or another has got to be a boss to someone. Yeah, and it's not just the you know big organisations, uh, you know the big corporate companies. If you're looking to you know outsource a lot of businesses as they grow, and rightly so, we'll be looking at employing people to take on some of the tasks that maybe they don't have time to do and they're going through that period of expansion. So in order to do that, you are effectively going to require the skills and know how to be a brilliant boss to get the most from your team. Yeah, so understanding how to be a brilliant boss is actually important skill to have whether you're doing it right now or you're going to be doing it in the future so who have we got on to help us with this one we uh, have alison edgar who's returned back uh, for the second time and we can think of a better person to be talking about this uh, specific topic um, alison is a keynote speaker and works with entrepreneurs from all over the globe to help them improve their communication and motivation um, and has recently also been awarded an MBE for her work. So I'm really looking forward to hearing from Alison. This is the Big Little Business Show. Maybe first off, let's establish who this episode's for, Alison. You can be a boss without employing someone, can't you? Yeah, I think every day we're a boss, no matter what we do. And again, you know, we've all seen the movie Bad Bosses, haven't we? And it's about being a good boss in whether you're managing people or not, just in life. And I think it's it's just how you manage those relationships. What's that movie? Bad? I've never seen that. What's the movie? Yeah, trying to think. Bad Boss. What's that? Bad Bosses. Jennifer Aniston was in Bad Bosses, I think. It's like a trivia quiz now. No, I've never even heard of it. Yeah, I was actually thinking about, I thought you meant the undercover boss. Um, you know, where they play an employee, but actually they're looking to see how well the boss is managing their staff. I love shows like that, Claire. I do enjoy yeah, so do that. I. Mm-hmm. Undercover. So we're talking about how to be a brilliant boss and actually being a brilliant boss is much more than just being a nice person, really, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I think it's about being a leader. And that's what I mean. It's not always in in work that you're a leader. You're a leader in life and showing that role model behaviour. So it's actually, you know, actually walking the walk, not just talking the talk. So for me, um, I'm, I think it's about the communication, really. And it's, again, whether you're a boss at work or just in life, it's how you communicate with people. And I, I speak a lot as a, I'm a disc practitioner. You know, we've spoken about this before. And it's about treating other people 
how they want to be treated, not how you want to be treated. And I think that's the mistake that a lot of people make is to treat people the way they want to be treated. And actually, that's a fundamental flaw in how communication actually breaks down. Yeah, communication is a really big one, isn't it? Um, Are there any other qualities that you can think of, in your view, that are needed to be a a great boss? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, And it comes back to those open questions again you know when I talk about sales people say what's the most important thing in sales and it's open questions and that's the same you are a detective you're a detective whether you're selling something you're a detective whether you're managing a team you're a detective whether it's some uh, you know a friendship uh, uh, resolving a complaint whatever it is and honestly who what why when where and how who, what, why, where, when, how, who, what, why, where, when, how. That's quite impressive. <laughs> it is, literally, it's taken me, uh, you know, 40 years to answer that. But it's actually about asking those really great questions and then listening. Just listen to the answer. You know, so many people are just, you know, so so tell me what the challenges you've had during COVID. What's been happening with you? And then what they do is they go, well, thanks for sharing that, Claire. Anyway, let's get back to work. And that's just not the best way to do that. You really have to listen and try and help somebody. And that's what a good leader does. They really genuinely care and and come up with a solution to help each team member. And again, it's not about a, a pack mentality. Every single person is an individual and what they need is completely different to the person that potentially virtually sits next to them. And that's the skill of a great leader. And again, it just literally comes back to great communication. Yeah, no, we we know that obviously you're helping people who run companies all the time to make them better leaders. Uh, and we can all probably find someone in our past who was a bad boss because bad bosses really stick in your mind. And I know someone that I used to work for years ago who was awful. And I think part of the problem, Alison, is is people kind of find themselves almost in that position where they're, uh, they've got maybe staff or they're uh, maybe asking people to do things for them before they've even realised they've done it. And they're not quite ready for it so th- that's where the mistakes come in isn't it I mean what other mistakes do you, do, you, do you see people making there must be tons yeah I mean I think definitely that's one of those things that sometimes people become managers for lack of that or team leaders and uh, because they were maybe quite good at, at the job let's look at a customer service role or a sales role and they, they were actually quite good at that but then when it comes to leading a team a it's a different skill set to the job that they probably did in the past and b a lot of businesses don't invest in training. And that's, you know, I know that mm. obviously I run a training company, but that how can you expect people to know? They don't know what they don't know. And again, if you look at that from a bad mm. boss perspective, that, you know, if you're learning from a bad boss, you're going to learn the traits. It's like being a bad parent, isn't it? If you were brought up and you were, you know, hitting your kids or whatever it is, then you think that's the norm. And that's, again, that can tend to to go down that line. And that's the same as the bad bosses. If they say you will stay behind and you will do that work and you will do that, you know, that's that's how they've been managed. So therefore, that's how they manage other people. And I think that there's two sort of fold in there. And the other thing is, you know, coming back to priorities. And I'll give you an example of a bad boss. I can remember when I was in a sales team and I worked with this really um, uh, overbearing, it was a male boss and it was like his way or the highway. He really didn't care about the people. He only cared about the result. Oh, I've worked for someone like that. Yeah, 
it's horrific, isn't it? Oh my word! Trying. He was like, he was he was an older guy, and I think he sort of had an, a bit of a an old school mentality. And staff for him were just a commodity rather than a human being. But he was probably managed that way as well. You know that I don't believe that that's you know you learn that from somewhere, don't you? You learn those bad habits from somewhere. Usually, yeah. it's a boss before, and if you look at Again, the workplace, I, I believe, is a completely different place now. We've got uh, things like diversity, inclusion. You know, we've got sustainability. You know, we, we are as a, a world, I think we, we do things differently and we've had to adapt. But again, a lot of people are not great at adaption, so they just always do what they've always done and they expect like different results. But it's just really about being um, more adaptable in how you, you look after people. So what detriment do you think it has to businesses then if employers you know, are feeling devalued and not understood and maybe have lost any ounce of respect for their boss or who they're working for? I think it's huge. I, you know, the, there was a Gallup poll that was done and I think it's something like 80% of employees are actually not happy in the jobs. <gasps> wow, well, as high as that? You know, That's shocking. shocking, isn't it? And I don't think that that is aided by the pandemic because, you know, a lot of people are working from home and maybe not in a, an environment that is great for working from home. There might be kids, there might be dogs, there might be flatmates, there might be, you know, they might be there on their own. And I, I do think that that has not helped. But again, I do believe, you know, I work with some really cracking organisations that want to change. But there's, there's two things around that. There's you ready for a big word? Drum roll, please. Go on. Meta- we, is this meta- going to be a word of the episode, Alison? Yeah, ready? Metathesiophobia. Wow, that's good. Well, say that again. That's, that's, that's really just write that down. That's a cracker, isn't it? Metathesiophobia, and it's the fear of change. So a lot of people are actually frightened of change because of, of what that means to them. So, And that's where that, you know, it goes one or two ways that, a lot of people then move into fixed mindset. They're militant. Oh, we've always done it that way. Oh, we tried that and it didn't work. Oh, you know that Jane for the checkouts? Oh, she's horrific. Hate working for her. And that's where that whole negativity and negativity spreads so quickly rather than positivity. So, and and, and what you find is then the culture of the organisation really goes downhill because loads of people have got a fixed mindset. And I think that's where by working at one individual at a time and getting them to understand that positivity, growth mindset and creating a culture where it's okay to make mistakes. I think going back years ago, if you made a mistake, you know, that's it, your P45, your written warning. And there's, you know, there's mistakes and there's fraud. So let's face it, you know, sometimes people do, it's really gross misconduct and that's a different, different scenario, but it might be, yeah, I'll give you an example. We've got a database and we send out our meal shots. So say we do one a month, like every single one of my team has either like missed a, you know, an attachment yeah. or there's been a spelling mistake or there's been something in there. And like, I'm like, okay, uh, we've had, we can only co- like focus on the things we can control, not the things we can't. Mm-hmm. We've sent it out. What have we learned? What are we going to do the next thing? And that's, it's like a fertile soil. It's allowing people to learn. So rather than going off on one, going, oh my God, you sent that out and it was wrong. Brilliant. You made a mistake. What have we learned from it? What can we do and put a system and process in place to stop that happening again? Do you think that's a mistake bosses make then, Alison, is that being too 
chummy with their staff or the people that they manage, whether it be staff or people that they're contracting or people they're working who are working sort of with them. Mm. You see that a lot with some bosses where yeah, all they want to be is your best friend. I mean, perhaps that's not the best way to go. What do you think? Oh, no, definitely not. I mean, I, I see it a lot. And I think that comes from a lot of promotions come from a peer group. So again, coming back to like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we all like to be part of that pack, but everybody eventually wants to be that leader of that pack. And it's that boundary. And Paul, I learned that the hard way. I can remember I was working in Sydney and I was the front office manager at the Radisson Kestrel Hotel right on the beach. And because I was obviously like a Brit, a boat, you know, abroad, and they were all Australian, I didn't have any other friends apart from the people that I worked with. It was hard to make friends in that situation. And I can remember we finished work, literally went out drinking pretty much all night, went to King's Cross, then got the early ferry back from Circular Quay. And it was one of the girls that I worked with. And I was in work. I was the boss and she phoned in sick. And it was like, it wasn't the first time she'd been off sick and I knew that she'd been out drinking and I had to then discipline her. And that was horrific, but I should never have been in that situation. You know, I was basically leading her astray, but I didn't know any better. I was in my twenties. Nobody had taught me. You don't know what you don't know. And although it sounds like common sense, you know, unless somebody actually points things like that out to you, actually, maybe this is not the best way. What do we think we can do to really motivate our staff, but not actually go out on the randan at King's Cross with them? Rather than, you know, I obviously then got reprimanded from my boss because I hadn't handled that correctly. But again, I think it's given that training and given people that knowledge to make the choice. I might have made the same choice. Who knows? But um, I might have made a different choice because I had more knowledge. And I think that's where the knowledge is power. If you've got that knowledge, you can make better choices. But again, when you're in a peer group like that you and you've just always been their friend, you kind of make the choice, which is the familiar choice, which is just to go out and, and be their buddy. Really frustrates me, Alison. And the time and time again, I've found this uh, just looking at it from afar, but also, you know, being uh, employed by people in the past. Not that I've had many employed jobs, but you see um, bosses who don't really value you no matter how much hard work you put in. Um, but actually what they're doing there is they're just kicking themselves in the face ultimately because if you're a good employee uh, and you're working hard for them, then cracky, if I'm your boss, I want to keep you and I'll be as nice to you as possible and be as accommodating as possible and be as helpful as possible to make sure that you don't jump ship and go somewhere else. So I've always found it a little bit weird how some bosses treat their staff, um, even when they're yeah they're really really good staff, because it's just it's not not good business practice to be not very nice to your your employees, really, is it? Yeah, but I think it's noticing the unnoticeable. Does that make sense? So I'll give you another yeah. example. Yeah. So um, on the behaviour stuff that I do, I talk about the relationship-focused introverts. So because they're introvert, they don't speak up about the great things they do. They really genuinely care about their customers and their colleagues, You know, sometimes more than themselves. And I was running a course in London, and we talk about these green, I use the green behaviour type. And Michelle came up at the end of the course and she said, Alison, thank you so much. I really enjoyed that. And I went, no, that's fine. Which part, see what I did there, Claire? Nice open question. Which part yes. of the course did you enjoy the most? She said, well, Alison, she said, I finish work at three o'clock 
And what happens is I've got to leave and get the bus so that I can pick my son up from school. She said, but it was self-storage. She said, but if there's a client there, I can't really leave at three. I just would feel really bad to leave. And what happens is I miss the bus. And if I miss the bus, I have to contact the school and ask them to look after my son or I have to try and contact somebody else. And I hate putting anybody out to look after them. And she said, Alison, I don't mind but not one person ever notices that I'm still there and I've missed mm. the bus. Aww. And wow. that's what I mean, notice the unnoticeable. Yeah. That, you know, if you're having that conversation with Michelle and saying, look, you know, just on a scale of one to five, Michelle, if one means that you hate your job and five means you love this job, where are you on that scale? Oh, I really love it, Alison, but sometimes I miss the bus. Okay, I'm a four. Right, what can we do to make sure that you make that bus every single day, Michelle? We can do this. And that's where, again, you would change that process to make sure that Michelle never misses the bus and that her son's not left hanging at school. That's what a great leader does. And that's about asking good questions, regular one-to-ones, you know, and genuinely listen to to the Michelle's what, what she answers. I'm going to bring in the E word, Alison, which could be the second um, word of the episode. Not quite as impressive as your word, but egos, because that's a big thing when you're a boss. You see a lot of bosses with huge egos. They they sit behind their desk and you know because they run the business, they think that, like you said before, the buck stops with them. Um, so as a coach, Alison, how do you persuade bosses to park their egos when dealing with um, staff members? I know it sounds really bizarre, but it is that oldies are the goodies. There's no I in team. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, again, I'll give you another example of that. So Rebecca... She was going through her digital apprenticeship. So again, I find out what, what drives my team. You know, it, is it money? Is it education? Is it time off? Is it, you know, giving back to charity? Really, really getting to the root cause of what why they come to work. And um, I'm dreadful because I never say I. And again, that comes back to that ego and egotistical boss. I do this. I do that. I do that. I do that. I, I never say I. I always refer, even when I'm writing anything, I always go, we do this and we do that and we do that because I can't function without the team. Right. That's mm. that's a non-negotiable for me. So I can't bring an ego because I can't do it all myself. And I think that's where an egotistical boss thinks I'll just I'll do it myself because I'm faster than you or I'm better than you. So when Rebecca was doing her um, her digital apprenticeship, so she's going to she's she passed it with a distinction, yay! Brilliant. But when they were checking paperwork, that uh, this thing, she, they were asking her how we did the digital social media or whatever it was, and she kept saying we do this and we do that and we oh. do the next thing, right? And she got all her paperwork rejected because she thought that oh. we were doing it, but actually oh, she was no. doing it. But that habit comes from me never saying I do this and I do that because I don't do this. We mm. do this. Mm. And, and that's an example of how maybe, you know, taking it a bit too far. But I think it's watching the language that an egotistical boss would use because if they're saying I've done this, I've done that, actually you've not because we are working together. You should never use, there is no I in team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the word we as well shows a real strong collaborative approach of and demonstrating that whole team ethos as well. Um, So we talked about uh, where to draw the line between going out, you know, for a drink with your colleagues, you know, you need to be there as maybe their confident and their mentor, but it's difficult sometimes to get the balance right. Do you think your boss should scare you? Or is that 
something where it's gone a little bit too far? Or do you think there's a healthy balance to have that element of respect? I don't think your boss should ever scare you. I think there, there's there's times where you need to be a little bit firmer. Um, so like if, if we are, um, you know, if people are coming to the end of a deadline and things haven't been done. So rather than saying you need to work till seven o'clock tonight, you know, you need to do that. It comes back to the, again, it's these great open questions. So we've got these parts of the project to finish and the deadline is Christmas Eve. And I've had a calculation and it seems like there's maybe 60 hours work left. What do you think we can do to complete that project by Christmas Eve, Claire? Well, what I could do, if I came in a wee bit earlier, then I could do that. Okay, and if you did that, then what we can do, if we finish early on Christmas Eve, you know, just get paid up to the close of play and then you can finish a bit earlier. How does that sound? So again, it's that negotiation, but that's not, you should never have to scare them. You know, you, you just have to make sure everything's planned. It's got a system and a process. And and you can hear even my tone and my pace. Like if I'm dealing with my, to- with my team, this is how... I use that, you know, I don't have to be firm very often, but I can turn up the volume of my firmness rather than shouting or screaming. Just by using your voice, yeah, different tonality. It's all about using your voice. And I say this all the time, right, literally, shh, don't tell MD, but it's the same techniques that we use in sales. Ultimately, you're trying to win that person over to get that, you know, that great relationship so that you can get what you need and they can get what they need and that's a sale it's a win-win for everybody and that's the same as a leader when I work with bigger organizations it's getting them all departments to think like a small business because small businesses are really collaborative and yet bigger businesses can't collaborate between departments yeah I mean we're obviously we talk to small businesses as part of this podcast uh, but actually it's quite important as Claire and I have discovered through talking to various coaches and experts that actually the bigger businesses still need to learn from the smaller businesses because there's lots that the small businesses do actually better. And I think one of the things that uh, small businesses do better than others is that whole kind of team philosophy of everyone mucking in but whereas obviously the bigger the business gets the more hierarchical it gets i don't think i'd even attempt to say that (laughs) (laughs) so did you think how do you think it should work then do you think i mean i'm just thinking back to sort of the time where i've been in bigger businesses and the 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 boss is in an office behind a closed door uh, sitting behind a desk and you know that's kind of all those little messages make you think that they're more important than perhaps they probably are um so which way would you go with people would you have them uh, being open and as part of the team and you know almost like I don't want to call it an open door policy but you know what I mean so I I think that smaller businesses do this because if they don't do it they don't survive I think that's the crux of it whereas in a bigger business usually there's a lot of surplus cash and there's so many layers that you could be in a big business hiding under a desk for two years and nobody even really notices because they're all kind of wrapped in layers Um, but it's interesting with the open door policy because I am a stickler for time management, really strong on that because I believe that productivity is low because people don't know how to manage their time. So I do think a bit like the um, like a doctor's surgery, do you know? I mean, you can set aside an open door policy time, but even as a leader, you really need time to get your tasks done and delegate and have that plan. And without that, then the leader potentially is working longer hours then the leader is getting frustrated and it's that frustration that they're taking out on their team. So I think it is 
it's okay to have an open door policy, but I don't think all day, every day. I think it's like a drop-in session. So my door's open between 1, 1, a, uh, one and 2, and you get 10 minutes, and this is what we're going to cover. And if people know the rules, that's the thing. If people know how the game works, they'll play by the rules. If they don't, then they won't. And then when they don't get their own way, they take the huff, and then they, it reduces their job satisfaction. Yeah, we've talked about the, the power of words and um, how they can make such a significant impact when we're, we're talking to people. But I would like to know, Alison, do you think boss is the right word to describe a leader? Well, I mean, or do you think maybe it should be called a different name? I don't, I don't know if it's that relevant. I think it is a bit old school, or the boss, you know, the undercover boss, bad boss. Um, but I think I think it's quite a fun name. I mean, I think that my team would refer me as the boss, but more in a, a jokey kind of way. Oh, here comes the boss, yeah. rather than mm. oh, there's the boss. We need to all like sit up and pay attention. And I think that's where that was how it worked in industry, especially things like the manufacturing industry. You know, the boss is coming. We need to make sure that you know everything's polished, everything's sparkly clean. I think, uh, but that's hmm. that's down to the environment you create, yeah. though, Alison, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if you if you create that environment of being, like we said earlier on, a bit scary, then it is like oh, boss is coming. But if you're not like that, mm. then oh, hello, boss, how are you? It's it's just then it just changes the world. Like, Would you like a drink, boss? Yeah, it can be sort of with with um, kindness, yeah, and, and I, appreciation. I think though, if you look at that environment as well, Paul, that that's where if people made a mistake, they wouldn't want to tell the boss; they would be hiding the mistake from the boss, yeah. or they would be blaming and somebody else for the mistake because they were scared of the ball. So in, in summary, what um, do you think, Alison, are the top three qualities that you need to be a brilliant boss emotional intelligence good questions and listening skills it's almost like almost Quick. like you knew we were going to ask that question Alison. <laughs> no, I, I didn't know i just i, I just think it's you know, <laughs> no she didn't i didn't know that wasn't on the list i thought you were going to ask me about biscuits i was ready for it's coming it's <laughs> coming it's coming don't get excited too too soon it's on the way in fact we need to go there now but before we do go there i'd just like to say thank you very much again and a whole bunch of really really great advice uh, and even though we've kind of covered this topic in kind of similar ways in the past, sorry, in different ways in the past, uh, I think from my perspective, as I'm about to employ someone or take someone on, uh, uh, it's important for me to reestablish some of this stuff. But also for any of us, even it doesn't matter whether you're a, um, a sole trader or whether you have staff at some point, you're going to have to manage someone and that relationship still needs to be the same. So I think it's an important topic to cover and we knew you'd be the perfect person, Alison. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So uh, here we go. Here we go, Alison. I think you, you're going to recall um, what we do at the end of every episode, which is to ask some questions that are completely unrelated to the interview itself, inspired by Inside the Actors Studio, uh, just so we can find out a little bit more about yourself. So... Uh, we would like to know what is your favourite word? Metathesiophobia. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Do you know what? And I've got another one. Phenomenon. And I'll tell you why those are my two favourite words. Because I'm dyslexic, I really, really, really struggled to remember the big words. And I was doing a video on imposter syndrome for a speaker agency. And I had to do the research on imposter syndrome and I discovered that actually it's not a syndrome because that's a medical condition. It's actually a phenomenon because it's something you can change. <laughs> and I tell you what, I must have said the word phenomenon about a million times and I kept getting <laughs> I had to keep repeating and literally talk about pushing your team to the max. They were so patient with me because it took me about 100 takes to get it right. But that, that's my two favourites. I've sneaked in a, another favourite as well. Um, OK, so what's your least favourite word? Negative. <laughs> yeah. That's very topical as well with the COVID. 
I think ne- negativity is probably, I hate mm. negativity. I just like positivity. But again, maybe in 2022, that's not a particularly great word to talk about considering we've been through a pandemic for the last two years. But I just, I, I can't stand that, um, you know, that mindset because I think that that's what holds a lot of people back. They really hold themselves back and it's because of that it manifests as um negativity so yeah that's my word that i don't like if you want to get more of alison and yeah let's be honest who wouldn't uh, then uh, how, how do people contact you tell us about how they can get hold of your book which is full of really great advice not only about being a bit brilliant boss but all kinds of things besides yes yeah, so the book is called smash it the art of getting what you want and it is when i wrote the book paul i honestly felt like i had discovered the meaning of life And, you know, I got a a little comment from somebody the other day and said, look, you know, you've used a lot of like theories that are out there, but the way you've put it together just makes perfect sense for people to follow. So I've created some of my own, you know, sometimes the oldies are the goodies, but I just think that by reading this, setting the goals from it, I've also, I've invested in an app, a free app, so people can watch the videos as they follow the book. So it's on Amazon, the app is on the Google store or on the app store. I'm really easy to find on all social media. I am on it like a rash. So I'm on um, Instagram, Twitter as the at the Alison Edgar, LinkedIn, Alison Edgar. And then I've got Smash It Training. So I'm again, you know, coming back to bosses, leadership teams. That's on smashittraining.com. And then as a speaker, I'm alisonedgar.com. So I'm not, I really am not hard to find. This is the Big Little Business Show, the podcast with bigger tips for small business. What I really loved about that is the way that Alison talked about how important it is to really understand the individuals that you're working with because actually maybe what your interpretation of being a good boss is is not necessarily your employees as well and actually showing that respect to them as individuals to help them to feel valued and to help them feel special and to use the right questions in order to extract that information by using open questioning is very very powerful yeah and understanding a little bit about what they're about too and what's going on in their lives Ooh. and maybe being sympathetic to that um, those are the th- qualities that really make you a good boss. And don't you find that there's a sort of almost a stereotypical boss behind the desk, uh, in, behind a closed door? Um, and really, I, mean, I don't know whether there are bosses like that. There must be still bosses around like that. But that's really not the way you should behave, is it? I think so. Well, because, yeah, because you, you're, you're shutting yourself off. I remember that, actually. I had a boss like that. Just thought about that. Um, who closed the door and it was they weren't part of the team they were very disjointed and felt it felt that way Um, so yeah I totally understand what she's saying with that brilliant stuff as ever from Alison and whether you're running a business that has staff members or not it's all important stuff to have under your belt and understand how to do because one day you're going to be needing to use that stuff uh, and really do go and check out Alison's book as well because it's worthwhile reading. You'll learn a lot from her. Mm. And if you want to find out more about this topic or any of the other topics we cover uh, and have a chat with us, come and find us on the socials at LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Big Little Business Show and you'll find us. And we're out of here. Say goodbye, Claire. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Big Little Business Show with Paul Mumford and Claire Horsley. 
You can subscribe to get the latest episodes via iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, and everywhere you find your favourite podcasts. Come and find us at biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and we're on Facebook too. Just search for Big Little Business Show. Big Little Business Show.